Thanks for checking out this message from Radiant Life Church. Grab your Bible, a pad of paper, and a pen. Let's dive in. for our attention. They do it uh, to bring glory and honor to the name of the Lord. However, however, I want to draw attention to the fact that we've got a worship team who lives into their God-given purpose. And and are you blessed by what they do? Okay, if only four of come on. Did you guys not hear those tasty bass licks James was throwing down over there? <laughs> that was like, I am blessed by the fact that we have a worship team who uses the, the giftings that God has given them to lead us. I don't know if you knew this or not, but outside of paid staff, uh, they probably invest more time in what happens here uh, than anybody else, just the number of hours that they dedicate. I want to encourage you to uh, just show your appreciation for them after service, catch them, give them a fist bump, give them a hug, whatever. Uh, but yeah, they are a blessing to us, and I, I am grateful to have them and JB, who leads them uh, so well. Uh, it's a blessing to, to be able to sit here in that space uh, with them. Well, hey, my name is Josh, uh, one of the pastors here at Radiant Life, and we are continuing our series, More, where we look at the practices of Jesus, right? And, and we've, we've looked at this idea of the secret place. We've looked, at, we've looked a little bit the last couple of weeks at worship uh, and some of the various forms that that can take. And today we're going to jump into what will be about a four-week conversation about prayer, I won't ask you to raise your hands, uh, but maybe in the hands of your heart, you know, if that was a thing, uh, you could raise them. How many of you, if you were honest, you think prayer is, is kind of boring? Again, like, you don't have to actually raise your hands here today, because we don't want to, we don't want to be, like, judging anybody. But, but I, I would have to raise my hand, because sometimes I'm that person. But I was, I, got, I was looking at my email inbox this morning, and I, I had an email totally, I was just like, oh, normally I would delete this, let's click in. And they had a quote from John Wesley, who is our denomination's namesake. And John Wesley said, prayer is where the action is. So hopefully, hopefully over the course of these next few weeks as we talk about prayer, uh, we're able, we, me, you, all of us together are able to lean in. And say, man, this isn't something that, it's not, it's not a drudgery, right? This is, this is something, this is where the action is. Like, this is where we battle, right, in, in the unseen realm, is through prayer. So I hope we can lean in uh, over the course of this conversation. Now, last week, Pastor Brandon and I talked about one aspect of worship, or one idea of worship, and that that was a response to who God is and what he has done. And I think there's a lot of overlap between prayer and worship. And so I would suggest to you one aspect of prayer is that while worship is a response to who God is and what he's done, prayer is a reminder of who God is, what he's done, and what he continues to do. In worship, we respond to it, but prayer can be this regularly occurring reminder where we, where we sit at the feet of Jesus and remember who he is and what he's done and what he continues to do. Now, this one I will ask you to raise your hands. How many of you uh, wish you just had some really good guidance on what God's will is for your life? 
Like you're just like, man, it would be really handy if I knew what God wanted for me. Show of hands, I mean, if you're not raising your hand, you're probably, you've got stuff figured out that the rest of us could learn from. They're going to preach next Sunday. Uh, <laughs> Just so we can, just so we can learn. Uh, but hey, I want to, I want to give you some information, and this is straight up out of our holy inspired scriptures. Paul writes this to the church in Thessalonica: Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. You're like, man, I wish I knew what God's will for my life was. Well, this is part of it. If you're a follower of Jesus, he says, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So whether or not you think prayer is boring, this is part of what God calls us to. So as we talk about this practice of prayer, I hope we're able to to engage with this as though this were the very will of God for our lives because scripture tells us it's at least a part of it. So we're gonna talk about prayer. We're gonna, we're gonna kind of break this up into uh, kind of two different segments today. Uh, the first part is we're going to kind of talk about kind of just a baseline. We're going to try to get a baseline for prayer. You know, what did Jesus have to say about prayer? Uh, what were some of the cultural ideas about prayer at the time of Jesus that maybe we can learn from? <clears throat> or was he trying to give us something different? We don't know. We'll talk about that. Uh, so we're going to kind of establish that and look at a model of prayer that Jesus gave us. And then in the second part, we're going we're gonna to look at prayer in the secret place. Again, We've looked at this chair, you know, multiple weeks in a row. And, and we, it's this idea that, man, we are called to have this space with Jesus where we just, we get away, right? Scripture tells us that Jesus would go off by himself and spend time with the Father, right? And so we want to model our lives after this to where we have this time away with our Heavenly Father, following the model of his Son, communing with him through Holy Spirit and his guidance in our life, right? We want to create this kind of a space in, in our life as well. So we'll talk about what prayer is uh, to a certain extent, and then we'll talk about how do we actually utilize prayer in the secret place. Now, I want to share with you, just because I found these very interesting, as I was looking up prayer and say, what would have been some, some prayers Jesus would have used? For those of you that are not familiar or didn't know this, Jesus was Jewish, right? He was Jesus and all of his disciples, they were Jewish. And, and you can look back at, at some of the practices within Judaism. And again, like, man, we're, unless you are Jewish, right? Like, we're Gentiles. We don't, we don't have to do all of those things, but we can still learn from a lot of those things. And there are a couple of prayers that it's, it's very likely Jesus and his disciples would have used on a regular basis. So we can, we can say, well, hey, what did prayer look like to them before Jesus said anything about prayer. And one of those prayers is still, like uh, Pastor Ryan would tell you if you go to, go to Israel, this is still recited regularly. This is called the Shema. Everybody say the Shema. Shema. And they would say, listen Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. They would say this every morning and every night. This was a regular prayer for them. And they say, man, it continues as you read through Deuteronomy chapter 6. It, it's, it's this whole thing, but, but it's this idea of listen. 
The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. This prayer ascribes worth, and it talks about who God is, right? This is why I say there's a lot of overlap between prayer and worship. Because this prayer, they're saying, this is who God is. And then the second part of that is talking about, now in response to that, this is what we are called to do. Because he is God, we need to love him with everything we've got. This was a a regular prayer, and this would have been at the time of Jesus as well. Now, another one that it's it's very plausible that Jesus and his disciples would have used, and I might mispronounce this, so forget, I'm not going to have you say it, because I don't want you to all mispronounce Hebrew, because this service is recorded, and that'd make me look really, really dumb. But I'm I'm going to call it the Amadah. Okay, so you guys can say it however you want to. I'm not going to know if you're right or wrong. So, but this is, this is the first part of that prayer. It says, blessed are you, Lord our God and God of our ancestors, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob, God of Sarah, God of Rebekah, God of Rachel, and God of Leah, the great, mighty, and awesome God, God most high. And the Amadah goes on, and this is 18 or 19 blessings that they would do. This is, only, again, this is just the first little chunk. It's, it's actually pretty lengthy. But this would be used in, in regular intervals, and you would pray this. And I was struck by, by some pretty stark differences between these two prayers, the Shema that we just looked at, and then the Amadah. I said, wow, like a lot of, a lot of their prayer is focused on on God. It's focused on who God is. It's talking about the way, you know, when they talk about the God of Abraham, like they, they are recalling the way that God has moved in the past. And they're they're calling on this same God, hey, we've seen you move. Now we're gonna we're gonna trust that you're going to move again. And I thought this was really interesting because I don't know that my prayers always sound like that. Sometimes my prayers have a slightly different focus than what you see at this time. But so now we ask the question, okay, these were, these were prayers that they, they, they most likely would have used on a regular basis, but what did Jesus have to say about prayer? Did he, did he like those prayers? Did he say those were bad? Did he, what's, what's going on? And and so we jump into Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read verses 5 through 15 today and kind of journey through what what was Jesus' instruction when it came to prayer. I would would suggest that that by and large, uh, they're very similar to the prayers that Jesus would have prayed. They're not fundamentally different. And we'll, we'll unpack that a little bit as we go on. But if we want to follow in the way of Jesus, and Jesus says, hey, here's how I want you to pray, or here's how I want you to approach the topic of prayer, like maybe we would do well to lean in and say, okay, well, what do you have to teach me on this, Jesus? So he starts in verse 5 of chapter 6, and he says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. That is all the reward they will ever get. But go away. When you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father, who sees everything, will reward you. This is that idea of the secret place. When it says, go away by yourself. 
But I, I think there's, there's sometimes a, a, a misapplication of this, this section of scripture that I, that I want to hopefully bring some clarity to. I've had conversations with, with various people over the years, and they would point to this scripture, and they would actually say, well, see, we, we should not have public prayer in church. Like you shouldn't, you know, the pastor should not be praying from the stage. You know, if you're in a small group of people, you shouldn't pray together because now you're praying in front of people. And Jesus says, when you pray, go away by yourself. Now, what Jesus was getting at here, right? And if you look at the, the, the greater context that this conversation happened in, which we often call the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus goes through a whole host of topics. And what he does is he drills down into each one. And, and fundamentally, he says all of these issues at their court, like this is a heart issue. This is a heart issue. Jesus is saying the same thing here about prayer. Because you can read elsewhere in scripture and both public and corporate prayer are, are utilized and, and in places encouraged Right, so, so this is not a blanket statement that, oh, you should never pray in public. Jesus is saying, man, if, if your motivation behind praying is to get attention from other people, he says, that's all the reward you're going to get. He says, man, then for you, you've got to go, go pray just in this, in this place alone. Right? Because, man, you need, to, you need to reorient your focus of your prayers. You've made it a publicity thing for yourself when that's not what it was ever intended to be. But, again, I would say this is not to rule out any and all public or corporate prayer. Again, we see that modeled all throughout uh, the, the early church, right? So, so don't walk away from this and, and think that. Jesus continues. He says, when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. At this time, right, you had, you had pagan culture, and some of their prayer practices would have been just this, this endless repetition. The thought being that the more I say something, the more likely it is I am going to get the attention of my particular deity and then he will grant me my prayer. So you have this idea of repetition. Jesus isn't saying, hey, when, when it's prayer, it's one and done. You know, pray one time and then you got to walk away from it because, man, you can't sit there and repeat it. Again, he's saying, man, if you, if you approach this as like you think you're going to, in a sense, manipulate God and get his attention by just saying the same thing over and over and over again, like the pagans do. Again, he's, he's alluding to cultural practices at the time. His listeners would have been familiar with it. Here, 2,000 years removed, we're like, oh, I don't know, so just, we just can't say things more than once. No, he's, he's referencing pagan culture. They approached it more like, more like a business arrangement, right? So I'm going to repeat it time and time again to get my God's attention, and then I'm going to remind him of all the things I've done for him. Last Tuesday, I sacrificed the cow. Last Thursday, you know, like I butchered seven chickens, and then my microphone died, and that's all right. I'll just talk really loudly, and then uh, I'll, grab a, I'll grab a handhold. Am I back? Oh, I'm back. I'm back. There we go. Everyone on broadcast is freaking out. They're like, his mouth is moving, but no sound is coming out. So the pagans, 
or they would, they would approach it more like a, like a business arrangement. There's a really cool quote we'll get to here in just a couple of minutes that, that addresses that. But Jesus says, don't pray like this. Like, don't do it for publicity and don't, don't do it like the pagans do where you think you're gonna manipulate God into doing what you want merely by repeating things over and over again. Instead, he says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Again, depending on your translation, maybe you see the hallowed be your name. Which, side little sidebar here, how many people, like you were a little bit irate because when we read the Lord's Prayer, it didn't say anything about trespasses. Do we have any, do we have any trespasses, people? We got one in the back. We got one in the back, a couple in the back. All right. It's all right. I grew up, it was always debtors, and us Reformed people, we get, we get it right. So all you trespasses. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> I'm going to get angry letters. Uh, how about that one later? <laughs> Hallowed be your name. Again, this, is, this is the New Living Translation. It says, may your name be kept holy. Jesus says, when you, when you go in, into this space to pray, this is the way that I want you to do it. And what Jesus tells us is, man, prayer is both relational and reverent. It's relational in that, man, we, we come to God as, as our Father. Through Jesus, you and I have the privilege of being adopted into the family of God. And because of that, we come to him and we say, Father. But there's also this reverence, right? a desire that the name of God would be kept holy. And you can say part of this is, is Lord, may my life not be something that profanes your name. Lord, I'm here and I'm claiming to represent you. May I not tarnish the holiness of your name by the way that I carry out my life while clinging to the name of Jesus. And saying, Lord, may the people around you, may they recognize how holy you are. So we come to him and it's both relational and reverent. Craig Keener, who is a, he's a, a commentator on, on scripture, he says, Jesus predicates effective prayer on a relationship of intimacy not a business partnership model. Again, that's that idea of like, well, hey, do you, you know, I did these things for you, Lord, so you, you should really listen to what I have to say to you. And that was the model followed by ancient paganism. A relationship of intimacy. I want you to, I want you to imagine with me, right? If, if you have a, a spouse or a significant other, I want to, and I'll, I'll talk to the guys because that's, that's the perspective I'm coming from and I kind of I know how this would play out, right? Like, let's say, let's say you're out you take your wife, you take your girlfriend out for a, a nice romantic dinner. Right? Like, you really, like, you really want to, like, <clears throat> you really want to woo her. So you sit down, you're at a nice restaurant and you, you stare into your spouse's eyes. This is a little weird because I'm looking at Brandon Fish. Uh, <laughs> But, but you stare <laughs> you stare you're awesome fish you stare into your wife's eyes you, you, you take her hand very tenderly and you say hey babes if you could do the dishes when we get home 
And also tomorrow, like I, I really need that, that pair of jeans washed. So if you could do that for me. And I've been, I haven't got the lawn mowed yet, but I really would like that done before I get home from work. Um, so if you, could, if you could do that for me, that would, that would just be fantastic. How much intimacy do you think that's going to cultivate? <laughs> None. None. The date is over. Okay? The date is over. <laughs> but my fear is sometimes that's the way we treat God. Right? This, this relationship that is meant to be intimate and relational, we come with our, our laundry list of things, which, hey, hey, we, we bring our request to God. We'll talk about that here in a few minutes. I'm not saying we don't do that. But for some of us, that's the, that's the sum total of, all, of our prayer. Hey, Lord, I'd really like for you to do this thing and 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 this thing. All right, I got to go. I'm busy. That doesn't sound like an intimate relationship to me. Our Father. It's a relationship of intimacy. Jesus continues. He says, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, man, he says, he says we've, established, we've established this family connection. We're maintaining reverence. And now we say, Lord, I want, I want to be about your kingdom. Lord, may your kingdom be the one that flourishes. I love about you, but sometimes in my prayers, it sounds a little bit more like I'm trying to build the kingdom of Josh Harima than the kingdom of our father. That I'm asking God to green stamp my will rather than asking him what his will in, is and, and how I can be a part of that. Because prayer is not a means to accomplish our agendas. Rather, this is an opportunity to partner with God to accomplish his agenda. How crazy that he invites you and I to be part of what he's doing. He says, hey, Jesus shows up. He says, man, this is, this is going to be something different. This is going to change the whole world. By the way, I want you guys to be part of this. And he's still giving us that same invitation today like he did his original disciples 2,000 years ago. He says, I'm going to change the world and, and I'm going to use all you guys to do it. How cool is that? But sometimes we have to get out of our own way. And we have to sit in that place of surrender and say, Lord, I know what my will is, but I want you to do what you want to do. We see this modeled by Jesus in Gethsemane. He says, Lord, if there's any way for this cup to be taken, but not my will. Your will, Father, your will. What if we prayed that? What if we, every time we go to the Father, we say, Lord, this is, this is what I want, but Lord, I wanna, I wanna lay that at your feet. And if, if what I want isn't what you want, Lord, I wanna, I wanna be good with that. And I wanna, I wanna get on fire and excited about the things you want to happen. I want to advance your kingdom, Lord, not my kingdom. Prayer is not a means for us to accomplish our agenda. But how awesome that he allows us to partner with him for his. 
Jesus continues his conversation about prayer. He says, we're to pray, give us today the food we need. Now, 2,000 years ago in, in, in Israel, right, you couldn't, you couldn't like save your leftovers in the refrigerator. You couldn't go to Costco and stock up for the month. Be like, hey, you know what? I think we're good for a while. Bacon was on sale. Boom. Grab me about 18 pounds of bacon. Right? Like, I'm sort of making fun of you, JB. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't want to look at you to make it too obvious, but then I just made it obvious by calling you out. So, <laughs> Bacon is delicious. I, just, I don't know about you. Bacon is delicious. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But this was a culture where, where you're probably making today's food every day. Right? You're, not, you're not meal planning and stocking up for the week. You're making today what you're going to eat today. Right? And this is also kind of a throwback to what we see in the Exodus. Right? As you read about the, the people of Israel leaving Egypt, they're wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, and every day God sends manna. And he tells them, every day you go out, and you collect only what you need for today. If you collect too much, it's going to spoil. He says, you collect what you need for today. And guess what? Tomorrow, I'm going to send you what you need for tomorrow. He says, I've got you. Right? But our relationship with God is one of daily dependence. So he says, hey, Lord, give us today what we need. Give us today what we need. Right, this, you know, Pastor Ryan is, is kind of joked about this, right? Some of us, we come in here on a Sunday morning, right? And we should, right? This is a good and right thing to do. But sometimes we come in here and we get a big, big breath of God, right? And now we're just like, we're just trying to like hold on to that breath until we get to Saturday. I'm going to be able to breathe again tomorrow. And we try to stock up. But that's not the model that God gives us. The model is one of daily dependence. Daily sitting at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, this is, this is what I need today, Lord. Lord, I want to I trust you to be the one who provides. I want to trust you to be the one who sustains me through today. And Jesus tells us that he will give us what we need. Now, I think it's important. Sometimes we, we get a little bit confused on that. And we confuse our wants and our needs. Jesus doesn't say he's going to give us what we want. He says he'll give us what we need. So sometimes we need to do a little bit of that heart check to say, well, well, Lord, I really need this. Uh, do, we, do we really need that? That might just be a want. Right? So we, have to, we have to start to re, recategorize things in our brain. Because if you think you're going to get everything that you want, you're going you're to be pretty disappointed. Because Jesus never, he never said that. He never said that, but he did say that he would provide what we need if we seek his kingdom first. His kingdom, his will. When we lean into that, he supplies what we need. Jesus continues. He says, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And this highlights two things I would, I would suggest to you. When it comes to our prayer, this is a place for us to both recognize our own shortcomings, the way that we have missed the mark, the way that even though we have Holy Spirit living within us as followers of Jesus, man, there are times when I, I listen to the flesh. 
I don't always get it right. And in prayer, I can bring those things to the Father. Say, Father, man, here's, here's some of the ways that I, that I fell short, that I didn't live into your model today. And we bring those things to him. But there's also this expectation that we are forgiving those who wrong us. And in this model of prayer that Jesus gives us, I think we, we need to create space for that. To say, Father, man, this person did this. Lord, I, man, I'm, I'm struggling to, to let go of that. I'm struggling to forgive. Holy Spirit, I need you to work in me to allow me to do that. In your flesh, is it really difficult to forgive people? Yeah, and I'm not trying to minimize. Some of you, you have, you have really, really legitimate reasons to, to be upset with people. But Jesus says, man, we are, we're called to forgive. And I think sometimes that can be, I don't, I don't, I don't know that I want to say easier, but if we, if we shift our perspective to, to recognize how great the debt we owed to God is, I think hopefully that, that allows us to now see, man, even the worst thing that somebody could do to me, like that, that pales in comparison to the sum total of all the ways I've grieved God. Right, Jesus tells this parable, and he says there's, the, there's this guy, and, and he, owes, he owes this king like millions of dollars, millions of dollars. And so the king calls him in, he says, hey, I, uh, you need to pay your debts or I'm going to throw you in prison. I'm going to make you and all your kids, you're going to be slaves and work for me to pay off this debt. And the guy begs for mercy. He says, please, no, 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 don't do it. And so the king says, you know what? I'm going to forgive your debt. Millions and millions of dollars of debt. I'm going I'm to forgive that. Well, the same guy who just had his, his huge debt forgiven, he goes out and finds a fellow servant who owes him a thousand bucks. And he grabs the guy by the throat and he says, you need to pay me every penny you owe me right now. And the guy says, man, I don't have it. Please, 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 just forgive me. And, and, and the guy says, no. And he, and he has him thrown into prison. He says, you're going to stay in prison until you've paid off your debt. Man, that's the way we are, right? Like, we've been forgiven millions and millions of dollars worth of spiritual debt. Yet one of our brothers or sisters owes us a debt of a thousand spiritual bucks. And we won't let it go. Jesus says, man, that's not the model. So as we pray, we're inviting Holy Spirit to work within us to forgive others. Jesus continues. He says, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Now, I want to clarify, temptation is not the same thing as sin. Right? Temptation is that as we're walking along in life, trying to walk down the path of Jesus, following in his footsteps, there are things that pop up along the sides that want to divert our attention, divert our energy away from that way of Jesus. Right? That's temptation. Now, when we divert our attention and our energies that way, that's where we, it becomes sin. Right? But Jesus, he, that's why he says to pray, don't let us yield. When we see these things distracting us from the way of Jesus, we're saying, Father, please don't let me yield to those things. Don't let me give in to these things that want to pull my attention from you and rescue us from the evil one. 
We did our Unseen Realm series, right, where we talked about this conspiracy between the devil, the flesh, and the world, these things that seek to derail our walk with Jesus. And he says to pray against those things. Or don't let us yield and rescue us from the lies of the enemy. So in our prayer, we ask God to show us the way out of temptation and the strength to obey when he shows us. Because here's the deal. He could show you the way, but you still have a choice. Because, man, that thing looks really good. Oh, Lord, I'm being tempted. Oh, help me, Lord. Help me, help me, help me. You know, but we're like, oh, this thing looks pretty good. So we also need Holy Spirit to give us the strength to obey. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. You do not have to give in to temptation. Did you know that? He says he has prepared a way so that you can stand, so that you can endure. So in our prayers, we pray and we say, Father, show me the way. Whatever that looks like, Lord, show me the person I need to talk to. Show me the, show me the passage in scripture that I need to, to, to put into my spirit. Lord, show me what it is that I have to do to stay on this path that you have called me to. You don't have to sin. Paul says we're no longer slaves to sin. You don't have to give in to those impulses of the flesh. We can walk by the Spirit, as Paul says. So that should be a component of our prayers. Saying, Lord, these are, these are things that I'm struggling with. Lord, show me, show me how to stay the path in the midst of these things. And Holy Spirit, give me the strength I need to obey when you show me. Jesus continues and he actually bounces back to the idea of forgiveness, which, which I would suggest means this is a pretty significant thing. Maybe, maybe he knew uh, we as human beings uh, have a little bit of a hard time with this. But he bounces back to it to wrap up this whole conversation. He says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Cool. The next verse is a little scarier. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. How can we stand in the place where we've been forgiven so much? The grace of God has been poured out on my life. How can I not extend that same grace to those around me? He says, if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive you your sins. That's a little scary. But I think, again, Jesus bounces back to this. I think we need, to, we need to lean in. We need to lean in. He seems to think it's important. If he thinks it's important, if we want to be his followers, maybe we should think that it's important. So Jesus gives us this model. Now he says this, and, and hey, it, it's not wrong. Like earlier, we all said this 
prayer together, kind of word for word. I don't think Jesus intended it to be that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, though, either. It all depends on where your heart is. If you pray that verbatim, but your heart is in every word, I think it's totally cool to to recite a prayer like that. Recitation in and of itself is not unspiritual or ungodly. It's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. But I think Jesus was also giving us this model. But he was also pointing to something that I think aligns up with the prayers that we looked at earlier, the Shema and the, and the whatever the other one is that I can't even remember how to say it. Right? I, I think it's, yeah, there we go. Somebody, somebody remembered it. Somebody remembered it. And I think that that truth is this. Prayer is not primarily about us. Which for some of us, that's a little bit of a mind shift. Because when do we typically utilize prayer? When we need or want something. Again, and I'm not, I'm not here to judge or call you out. Like, that's just, that's the way a lot of us tend to be, myself included sometimes. Like, oh, well, something bad happened. Now I should pray. Right? We're very reactive in our prayer life. And kind of that, that, that sort of makes it about us because something bad happened. I don't want something bad to happen, so I'm going to pray. Lord, this bad thing that happened, if you could take that away, that'd be great. But prayer isn't primarily about us. Again, how do we, how do we start? How do we focus? Right? We, we, say, we say, our Father, we're, we're looking to him. We're ascribing him worth. Hallowed be your name. We're saying, Lord, it's your kingdom. Lord, it's your will, not mine. We're saying, Lord, you are my provider. I don't provide for my family. Lord, you provide for us. You sustain us. Lord, you are the one who gives me the strength through Holy Spirit to withstand temptation. Lord, you are the one who enables us to forgive. And Lord, thank you for forgiving me. But it's not about us. It's not about us. Stuart Weber, another uh, commentator, says the pattern of meaningful prayer is to begin by majoring on the person and nature of God and his kingdom interests, coming to personal requests and needs only secondarily. We major on who God is and what he wants. And then we bring to him the things that we desire. So I want to give you, I want to give you just a, a quick snapshot of this. Maybe this is helpful. Maybe it's not. There are, you can find a variety of different kind of summaries of, of prayer, right? And, and I'll just give you kind of what I came up with. And if some of the wording is clunky, I'm sorry. I don't know if you knew this or not, but there's actually a rule. If you're a pastor and you, and you do a message where you have any sort of a list and if, if there are any words in that list that don't all start with the same letter, it's actually, it's 40 lashes per word, uh, per word that doesn't start with the right letter. So hopefully this makes sense. I just, I'm, I'm a little sensitive. I didn't want to get those lashes this week. So, um, so here we go. So uh, we start with relationship and reverence. We come to him, our father, 
And look, I want your name to be holy. I want your name to be holy. Again, we don't have to use those exact words. But that's, that's how we start. Jesus said, this is how we pray. This is how we come to him. And then we transition into that space of releasing control or surrender. Saying, Lord, here's what I want to happen. But Lord, I'm, ultimately you're in control, not me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let go of the wheel here, Lord. You're going to... Jesus, take the wheel. Take it from my hands. Something right there. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Chad. I'm sorry. <laughs> then we go into this place of request. Right? It's not wrong to bring the things that we desire, the things that, that we, we are, want to ask God for. It's not wrong to bring them. But again, it's in that place of humility where we recognize that ultimately if, if this doesn't line up with what God wants, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be okay with that. But also I'm going to trust that he is my provider. If he, if he thinks I don't need it, I'm going to be okay with that. So we, we bring our requests, but we do so in a place of humility. Jesus says, he says, he says, lead us not into temptation. Don't let us yield to temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. So you and I, as, as followers of Jesus, we're all in this process of sanctification, right? Being made more and more into the likeness of Jesus, right? Holy Spirit, like the more we walk with Jesus, Holy Spirit continues to say, hey, I'm going to shine a little light on this area of your heart. Mm, that's not quite in line with what I've called you to. He says, let's, let's work on that. It's sanctification, this process of becoming more and more like Jesus. Elsewhere in scripture, right, it talks about this idea of being transformed. It talks about renewing your mind. So, so when we talk about renewal, it's this idea of like, Lord, how, how can I be made more into your likeness? Lord, these are the temptations. I know those don't line up with your way. Lord, transform who I am renew my mind, change the way that I think about these things so that it's more in line with you. And then you have repentance. Again, this idea of, of bringing to God where we have sinned and saying, Lord, I want, I want to walk in a different direction, but also in that space, letting Holy Spirit work in you to, to release others from the debt they owe you. So with relationship and reverence, release control, request, renewal, and repentance, uh, no 40 lashes this week. Thank you. But again, prayer is a reminder. Again, if every day, man, what if, what if, what if every day we're in a space and we remember who God is? Man, how, how, how could our day go differently if, if, man, if I started every day, I'm like, Lord, you're in control, not me. Lord, you provide, not me. I don't have to stress out about this. Do I have to show up, do my stuff? Yeah, absolutely. But ultimately, it's, it's God who provides for me, not me. What would our days look like if that's the way we did it? What would our lives look like if we followed Paul's advice and we never stop praying? And that's where I want to transition into our, our second segment, right? We talked kind of about what prayer is. We looked at the model Jesus gave us. But now let's talk briefly about prayer in the secret place. And I would suggest to you that at its core, at its core, prayer is an ongoing conversation with God. An ongoing conversation with God. And, and I, I have to be honest, 
like this is the this is the week they gave me. They said, "Hey, we need you to talk about prayer." Uh, when it comes to the secret place, prayer is is probably my weakest discipline. I've been I've been trying some different things, working you know, trying to use different tools to try to try to like really uh, up my game when it comes to prayer in the secret place. But I am by no stretch of the imagination uh, a professional with that. And so rather than get up here and tell you to do a bunch of things that I haven't quite figured out myself, uh, I actually, I want to invite my wife Nicole to the stage uh, because quite frankly, she is a lot better at this than I am. Um, So I wanted to kind of pick her brain and let you guys uh, learn a little bit from what she has experienced in her life. So how's it going? It's going good. <laughs> so later, if you could get those jeans washed, then no, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh boy. It is, so it's funny because when we, when we first prayed the Lord's Prayer together, um, I was definitely a transpasser, you know. A trespasser, yeah. yeah. I can't even say the word, you know, like, and, and Joshua was like the debtor, you know, and it was funny because I had um, my brother Brandon lean over and he's like, man, it's a good thing that, you know, you forgave him of his trespasses. <laughs> Make this thing work. So anyway, um, but yeah, no, sorry. But I, but I forgave her of her debts. So we're, I was actually like, it was... It worked out. It worked Make a out. good team. So, hey, uh, just briefly, I want you to talk a little bit about just kind of how you have come to just the place you are in, just with the secret place. Again, because there, there are times where, like, you just come away from these times with Jesus, and I'm, like, I'm jealous. Because I'm like, man, like, that's, that's just, like, a whole different level than, than what I've, I've figured out yet. Uh, just talk to us just a little bit about kind of your process and how you got to where you are. All right, so the secret place for me has looked different. It's definitely been a flux. My time with Jesus has um, has gone from, like, honestly, where I didn't want to spend time with the Lord, and that's, I'm just going to be very real. I, I, I was at a place where sometimes I didn't even want to come to church, and I was just, like, I was just so stuck in, like, this dark place of not feeling like I could do anything right, so I try. And so I feel like the Father has been very good with me and taking me through the different seasons of highs and lows. Um, and it's just looked different, my time with Jesus. And he was able to really help me just see those lies and be like, you know, it, it, it's going to look different in different seasons. And, and I want to kind of bring it back to probably my first real prayer um, when I was 10. And I was kind of questioning, okay, God, is this thing real? Is this not real? And I asked the Lord, I said, if you are real, please reveal yourself to me. And I kind of took that posture of surrender. I mean, when I'm 10, I don't know what, what any of these teachings mean. You know, I don't know what, the, what any of this stuff is. It's, you know, I, I, just, I guess I feel like I've always viewed myself as just, as just a girl who wants to desperately love her father. And, um, and so through that, I feel like, uh, you know, two years later, God called me to Venezuela. And that's like a huge, amazing. You'll have to, you'll have to ask her about that <laughs> some other time. Yeah. yeah, it's a huge, amazing thing. But ever since... Since then, it's kind of become a, a two-way conversation that I have had with the Father, and I love the fact that um, even though I might not always be in the secret place or you know in this quiet place, because I'm going to jump forward, we have six kids, and I can't call it quiet time because 
it's not. It's just not. So I call it intentional time. And, and it's so funny because the father has like taught me that's okay. You know, that's all right. You come to me whenever and however you want, you know, like I still come with a humble heart, but my, my heart's desire is just to talk to the father. Like I would imagine my kids as they grow up and they call me when they're at work, I'm not going to be like, uh, you're at work. You're not sitting in the chair, (laughs) but you know, but the chair is good. The chair is very good because I do. I do spend time in the word every day and I do pray and I've gone from a place of feeling like I just can't do it to a, a place of, I can't wait to spend time with my father because he really does love me. And he did really create me for these seasons and he really did make me for this. And so it's funny when the kids will, you know, knock on the door. You know, I used to be, I'm closing my doors and, you know, I'm going to spend some time with the father, you know, and then all of a sudden, mom, mom, mom. And I'm like, oh, be quiet. I'm trying to spend time with Jesus. (laughs) I sometimes think the father looks down at me and is like, Oh, Nicole. <laughs> but he's, he's, he's taught me. That's okay. So if I can't always shut the door, I open the door and my secret place looks a little bit different. And then my children come in and I heard them talking one time and said like, um, you know, the kids were just playing and I kind of overheard them and they're like, where's mom? And one of the kids was like, she's doing her devotion time. <laughs> like that is so cool like you know if I've always wanted my life just to reflect Jesus that even my children are starting to see that and and that just makes me very encouraged um and then I invite them in and then you know we'll do bible and we'll pray and things like that so my secret place has just looked differently throughout all the different seasons of my life but like so we talk about prayer is this conversation, right? And I don't know if you guys know, and I didn't, I didn't look up the official definition of conversation, but I'm fairly certain to, to qualify as a conversation, uh, it has to include communication both ways, right? Like if, if, otherwise you're just, you're crazy because you're just talking to yourself all the time, whatever. But I mean, conversation is, it's this two-way communication. So talk a little bit about that because I think, uh, you know, we often think of prayer as us going to God, and and there is a there is an element of that. But just you've had some cool experiences where it's not happened quite like that. Well, I I love how Pastor Ryan has said this many times that Holy Spirit is a gentleman, and I found that very true in my life because when I had that posture of surrender and asking Jesus, "Hey, if you're real, I'm in. Let's do this thing." Um, it was just like this this moment of now I'll be shoveling the driveway, and and this actually happened not terribly long ago, and and I was starting to spiral in my brain like all of a sudden all these fears just hit me, and I was just like, Whoa! and um and then the, the father like literally tapped me on the shoulder and was like Nicole you know and he started asking me the questions and he just rooted my feet and I thought that that was I I so here I am shoveling the driveway I am crying my eyes out having my secret place with Jesus you know we're having intentional time I'm still working you know but like I I'm being moved by how much God is speaking to me and so honored because I'm like why in my brain I, I love to ask the question why but I'm learning to reframe that to well, you know, it's probably too much for me to understand, but like, God, what do you want me to know about this? And what do you want me to do about it? But God, like, I'm so overwhelmed that you would come and speak to me because I'm just, I'm just me. I'm just a girl, you know, like the heavenly father 
once you, and that just blows my mind away. You know, like I don't have any major degrees, you know, and I'm crazy dyslexic. So if you ever get a text from me, I'm sorry. <laughs> my old boss was like, Nicole, you know, I told him one time, I was like, I'm so sorry you had to deal with, with all of my misspellings. He's like, well, Nicole, honestly, you spelled a lot of words. They were, you know, spelled correct. Auto check was a good friend for you, but it wasn't just the, it wasn't the right word. <laughs> So, Spelled the wrong word yes, correctly. <laughs> there and there. Hmm. Anyway, so... Even if you're dyslexic, God knows what you mean. Yes. There yeah. you go. That's, uh, I think, a takeaway. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I just love those moments where I'll just be working and doing something, and then God interrupts me, and, um, and he's cultivated that relationship to where I think I used to think the Father was, like, just up there to, like, punish me or something. Um, and that's crazy, because my earthly father is very kind and loving, so... I, I know that these ideas were just from the enemy, but I didn't know that they were from the enemy. And so once I finally was able to um, realize that this isn't the truth, that the Father really does want to be with me and wants a relationship, I was like, whew, all right. Well, that really takes the pressure off, and now I'll be folding laundry, and we're just having a conversation, and, and it doesn't have to you know, be so... So intense, but it's yeah, and I, and I think that that plays into that idea of, of never stop praying, right? It's it's this constant posture of of being ready to hear. Not just it doesn't mean that we have to spend you know twenty four hours a day speaking to God, again, because that's not that's not the the total of what prayer is, right? It's, it's allowing space, right? Do if if the Father were to tap you on your shoulder, would you would you recognize it? Right? Do we do we create it enough space? To be able to listen. To say, man, what is it? Do I even know the Father's voice? Well, Jesus uses the imagery of a shepherd, and he said, man, the sheep know the shepherd's voice. If we're not taking any time to listen to our shepherd's voice, how, how are we going to know what it is? But man, the, mo- the more time we spend with him, the more, the more space we create to be able to, to listen, I think the more tuned in our ears are to the voice of our father to where you could be shoveling the snow or doing laundry and, and the father says hey I got something for you it's, it's that it's that conversation and I love that because it again it, it, it challenges kind of some of our assumptions that oh, oh well I have to always be the one to initiate this no no I think, and you see it in scripture where, where like God will show up and he'll be like hey <laughs> what's up and people are like oh man what's going on right, but if uh, yeah I think we've cultivate a heart that's always ready to, to listen. I think, I think that's good. But I also have like these, um, what I call dates with Jesus. I got this idea from Rasika, and I think she had read it in a book. And the idea with this is that you pick a time in your calendar and you plan like literally like a date you would with your significant other. And so, you know, a lot of times I'll like dress up and be like, okay, Jesus. And then I'll plan like, we're going to go walk on this trail together. And then I'll look at all the things that I want to talk to him about and be like, okay, Lord, how do I uh, vision quest with this? How do I navigate this? parenting? How do I run this ministry the way that you would want it to be ran? And, you know, how do I be a better wife to support Joshua? And just all of these questions. And I, I, I'm great at wondering. I love asking questions. That's like so fun for me to do. I'm not good at coming up with the answers. <laughs> so when the answers come to me, I know it's Holy Spirit. And, um, and so I just love that he's always just very gently guided me into what I need to 
to do next. And having that time away um, isn't something I can, you know, like I can spend, you know, pockets of time every day with them. But that, that date, that intentional time, I get so excited. I can't wait to go on it because we have just had so many amazing moments in that. And I love going from this place of darkness to feeling this place of like love and security and that trust that's been built. And, and I pray this prayer a lot. I try to pray it more often than I should. I'm like, well, not more often than I should. Like, anyway, I pray, Lord, <laughs> help me to be in the right place at the right time and help me to do and say the right things. And in this way, I can have that posture of like, okay, if this laundry doesn't get done, it doesn't get done. <laughs> but we just read this book together, you know, and, or I just had this conversation with my friends and, and then it, it becomes no longer, I feel like a focus of my time, but Jesus's time. And then amazing things happen in that moment. So. No, that's really good. And, and, you know, I want to share, I want to have you briefly share, right? So, so Dallas Willard in his book, The Great Omission, he, he writes about this idea and he uses far more intelligent wording than I'm going to, but it's kind of the, the condensed Josh version is like, regardless of, of who's in the room, like if Jesus is there, he's the smartest man in the room. Right, like, like sometimes we 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 take Jesus and we're like, oh well, if I need, if I have a faith question, I know where Jesus is. I stuck him right over here in this closet. Like I can go back there and grab him, whatever. And and we we treat Jesus as, as if he's only good for faith. Right, but the reality is, like, regardless of your profession, you could be an electrical engineer, you could be a, a public safety officer, you could be uh, working in an RV factory. Right, Jesus will be the smartest one of those. Ever, right? So just real quick, because I, I said we're we're gonna have to wrap it up here pretty quick. But like, but I want you to talk real quick about uh, your prayer about about spices. <laughs> All right, so this is too much information, but here it is. I was just in the shower, and all of a sudden, I was like, Lord, I was just thinking about, like, all the spices in my, my cabinet, and I just start praying. I was like, if you could show me how to use those spices, because I feel like you're the master chef, and then a light bulb went on. I was like, bang, God is the master chef. Ah! <laughs> I don't know why that got me so excited, but it did. And so I said, God, Dietrich, if, if you were in my shoes, how would you... Uh, how would you make these spices amazing? And next thing you know, these ideas start coming to my brain, which I know is Holy Spirit. And, uh, and I start mixing these uh, spices that we have. And I'm making like the Southwest powder, which is amazing on pizza. And uh, it's great on tacos. And anyway, so I was just like, God, this is so cool. So again, to that idea of, of never stop praying, like what if, what if we included Jesus in, in everything that we do, right? You're stuck at work on something. Hey, Jesus, man, if you were here, what would you do? I mean, I mean, Hey Lord, like my kids being a total, you know, you know, dingbat right now, like Lord, like, or if this was your kid and you decided that murder was still legal, right? I'm kidding. I'm dead. You know I'm kidding. All my kids, I love you so very much. Debtor. Debtor. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but no, like, Lord, Lord, how, how would you parent this kid? And what if we did that? What if we did that? I, I think it could, it could do some stuff. Uh, but just, again, it's, it's, it's that idea that prayer is this ongoing conversation. So, hey, uh, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Uh, sharing again because this is I'm still trying to learn and grow in this. Uh, and I think we all are. And uh, and Nicole's just been able to. She's she's 
further along in that journey uh, than what I am. So thank you for uh, coming up here. So I want to I invite the worship team to come up. Uh, I also want to invite our prayer teams uh, down to the side. Actually, well, one of those, Pastor Karen and Harry are going to be over here. Um, actually, Nicole and I will be down there after, after we walk off the stage. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to do one more song. But if you need prayer for anything, right, I want to encourage you to uh, take advantage of our, the prayer teams that are going to be down there. But I'm going to ask, as the worship team is coming up, actually, if uh, Nicole, if you wouldn't uh, mind closing us out in prayer here today. Okay, so I'm going to have everybody stand up. And I imagine a lot of times that, you know, that I am, you know, just a girl holding on to the hand of her father. And sometimes that's all I have. And um, so if you feel comfortable, I would love for you to kind of just reach out and imagine that kind of that connection because we do need each other. And, um, and we're going to pray. Father God, I just thank you so much for this time together. I thank you that we can come freely and worship you and that we can share our stories with each other, Lord. I thank you for a church that is willing to say yes. God, I love that that your people, they are they're just ready to, to feel your awe and wonder. Lord, as we, we take this posture of keeping our hands united together, but, but as we're growing closer to you, that we grow closer to each other. God, I just thank you for prayer that we can just talk to you and it's just it's just a beautiful thing lord i pray for healing for anyone who's feeling down and out lord because i know those high top moments are awesome but i also know those dark valleys are, are really hard so i pray that you would just help everyone to feel your presence and just see you through the midst of the hard times lord and that there would be a, a pivoting if need be for anyone who's feeling like man i just don't know but i just know i need you and i don't know how to get there god that you would show them the way the way that you showed me the way the way that you revived my relationship with you, the way that you rebuilt my trust. And I pray that this would be for all your people. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Radiant Life Church. To get to know us better, check out theradiantlife.church. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.